Welcome to The Freelance Economy, the weekly video podcast that's all about freelancing and small business growth. Hosted by Kim Merritt, the URL doctor. This episode is brought to you by the Freelance Economy online course that teaches you to jumpstart your freelancing activities on Upwork in just seven days at jointhefreelanceeconomy.com and theurldoctor.com with prescriptions for online success for freelancers and small business. Now, let's join the freelance economy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Freelance Economy Podcast. I'm Kim Merritt, the URL doctor, and with me today is Cameron Hemphill, the CEO of Growth99, and today we are going to be talking about marketing magic to get your business found online. And let me tell you a little bit about Cameron. So he comes from an extensive technology, marketing, and entrepreneurial background. He has built several multi-million dollar companies, which I can't wait to talk about, before the age of 35, rock and roll entrepreneur, uh, which has positioned him as a true technology consulting, marketing, and business expert. When it comes to building a business, he preaches automation, processes, and leveraging technology to streamline all aspects of customer engagement. His current company, Growth99, is a U.S.-based advanced technology company that specializes in design and development of products, software development, website development, SEO, content, customer development, and reputation management. And he services particularly the med spa industry as well as other small and mid-sized businesses around the U.S. Cameron, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much. That was quite the introduction, so I, I, <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, happy to be here. Thank you. So let, let's start. Uh, at the entrepreneur in me just can't help but want to talk about first your entrepreneurial background and some of the companies that you've built at, at a young age. Yeah, I mean, like ever since I was a, a young boy, if you will, I guess I might still be a young boy. Uh, my wife would definitely say that. But uh, <laughs> um, I've always just had a, a, a vision of building, uh, you know, companies. Like I was always a pretty um, interesting kid when it comes to sales, right? I was always trying to figure out how to, how to make something happen in the sales space. And so I, I guess like historically at a young age, I, I've always wanted to, to sell something and was always curious, like, well, why do things work this way? And, and like always trying to kind of, you know, move the status quo, if you will, um, in like, not like the best, I would say student, um, I actually did have some teachers that were, <laughs> had some interesting comments when I was younger, but, um, just always had that, uh, that armor, if you will. And I, I contribute that a lot to my, my parents of saying, Hey, you know what, you can, you can do anything like grades aren't everything. Um, and so I learned how to, how to grow up pretty quickly to, at a young age. And that just kind of positioned me to, uh, figure life out and, and really, um, grow in the sense of, of wanting to understand, um, outside the, the, the normal box, if you will. Right. And so, I mean, I was always trying to, I mean, I was selling like candy bars as a young kid. I was trying to start businesses. Like I was in an MLM when I was in 16, um, we're in Utah. Right. So that's like a big MLM space, but, um, I've probably started, I don't know, 20, 30 businesses maybe. Um, and all of them, but very, very few failed as you're an entrepreneur, you got to just kind of figure it out, you know, and those, those failures actually position you to understand how to make success happen. Um, so every one of those failures actually is just 
something that you learn to make sure you don't do the next time. And I feel like the best way to do that is just through figuring things out yourself until you, you find the success patterns that work. And so um, that's where it led me to where we are today. So I'm curious what some of those businesses were, the, the, the bigger ones. Were they all in the technology space or were they all over the map? Uh, mainly technology. Like I've always, um, I've always seen technology being a, a, a way that the industry from uh, an economical standpoint is, is going to be like, and now even more than ever. Um, so I've always uh, been really big on technology. Like when I, when I got out of uh, college, I, I actually got into real estate and ran a real estate team at, at Coldwell Banker. And the way that they were doing their processes with like, how to manage a lead, how to manage the follow-up, how to manage the transaction, the file. Um, I mean, this was like everybody would stand in front of the fax machine and like fax these offers over. And, and I was just like, I can't believe you guys are doing business this way. It's just slow and, and there's got to be a better way to do it. So um, there was some tools out there at the time, but all of them were quite limited. And so the first um, business that I got into was actually a real estate CRM business. Um, and that was, uh, we, we had it built for our team and quickly positioned us to be one of the top performing uh, real estate teams in the market. Um, and all of us were very young with, uh, you know, I would say less experience than the veterans, if you will. But we figured out how to get things done in a much more efficient time with by leveraging tech. Uh, and that company was actually acquired by uh, Real, Realogy, which owns Coldwell Banker. We retain the rights of the code did a pretty big partnership with a company, Franklin Covey. I'm sure um, Dr. Stephen Covey, you guys may know him. I actually met him. And uh, we actually implemented his principles into our CRM. So we actually had technology with methodology. That became more of a, a, a like a generic product to where we sold that to every industry. Um, I sold my shares in 2012. Um, and that kind of positioned me to, to look at things at a different perspective. This is when e-commerce was actually starting to get big. Um, started an online e-commerce business in the furniture space um, that did extremely well. Um, it was actually a multiple eight-figure business at one point in time. We sold on Amazon. We sold on Overstock. We sold on our own e-commerce store, drop ship products all over. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a pretty pretty good exit there back in uh, 15. And uh, ever since then, I said, okay, well, what's what's going? And it was just always tech, right? And so um, that's, that's what's positioned to where we are now is really just like focusing on front facing digital marketing, asset creation, websites, SEO, social media, um, stuff like that, running Google ads, uh, Facebook ads. But, but what's really cool is our roadmap is positioning us to be, uh, a digital marketing front facing service, but then also backend lead management, email drip campaign management. Now we're getting into text automation artificial intelligence, machine learning. This is where the world is going. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, that's where we're at right now. Okay. So I've got like 50,000 questions just after that. So we'll, as my mind is going like, my God, which, which one do I start with? First of all, you know, it's like, I, I absolutely positively know uh, Stephen Covey. I was a, a Franklin day planner carrier from the time I was 22 up until I, I've, kind of took it online and then put it back on my desk again about four or five years ago because you just got to write that stuff down at least for us old folks we got to write that stuff down um talking about let's let's start with with automation um give me some ideas on you know what can 
small business, what can freelancers do today? What are you telling your customers to do today with automation from the standpoint of marketing as well as their processes? Yeah, I mean, it, it, at some point, I mean, automation is, it's just as important as the website. Like the website is your store. It could be a single page scroll, like ClickFunnels environment that, that has a hook, that's got a story, that's got an offer. Um, you got to get them excited. But then what happens when, when somebody comes to your store, right? So when somebody comes to a brick and mortar store, they're greeted, right? And it will hopefully um, you take them down the sales path to ultimately to where they buy your products. And so you got to position your website to be the same thing. And a lot of people put a lot of like guardrails up uh, without even knowing it when they build a website. And that's why they have a hard time with click-through rates and conversions and stuff like that. And so um, that's one avenue that has an entire conversation of challenges that you have to overcome. But the second component is what happens when that inquiry um, inquires, like gives you data, first name, last name, phone number, and email, um, or they actually check out, right? Like there's an entire backend process that, that handles that. And I'm extremely big on leveraging tools when it comes to automation. And so um, if I come to your website or you come to my website and you inquire, uh, we immediately grab that data and we push it into a, a CRM system. And that CRM system can be as robust as a Salesforce environment um, to a Zoho environment. Uh, HubSpot has come very far in the last few years. Um, and so you can basically just have, like technology can be expensive, but it's much more cheaper than humans and it's way more effective. <laughs> you know? um, I, think, I think a lot of people lose sight of that when they see yeah. the cost of some of these tools. But if you really realize what it costs for a human to do all those different things and how long it takes versus it all just happening on its own once you have it set up, yeah. huge difference. Huge difference. That's where I think a lot of people actually miss out on the success roadmap is they say, well, I don't want to learn how to use ClickFunnels. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to use Teachable. I don't want to learn how to do it, right? And so, um, well, you, there's people out there you can hire, right? There's um, resources on YouTube you can watch. So if you actually take the time to invest in building out the tools or seeking the people that know how to use these tools and outsourcing them or hiring them and consulting them to create that vision that you have, um, it's just going to position you to, to have success, right? And so I, you're, you're right. Like there's tools out there that are hundred bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month. Um, but they, they are much more effective than, uh, than hiring an expensive individual. Absolutely. So, you know, I hear, I, I've numerous times, I mean, the, the conversations I get into with small businesses and with freelancers, everybody wants to know how to get found on Google, how to get better placement in the natural search results. Where do you start that conversation with your clients? Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a re, I mean, it's a continuous education, as you know, right? Um, and unfortunately, a lot of um, individuals have been fed uh, wrong information. So you kind of have to like backtrack, re-educate, consistently set expectations and reset expectations. Um, that's super important in our space. But um, it's, it's like three avenues from a real estate perspective, if you will. So when it comes to Google search, right, you have your paid results up when you conduct a search, the AD, it's called pay-per-click, as you know, um, and maybe the audience may know that we're talking to right now, but really 
you have the paid search and then you have your Google My Business and then you have your organic search, your website. Well, your Google My Business page is going to outrank your website every time. It, it, it just, it's, it's how it does if you're, you know, brick and mortar type store who we're servicing. And then obviously the ads are going to outrank those. So I always say, look, you want to have like the best three spots of real estate when it comes to the internet. Ads, a robust Google My Business, and then a robust optimized um, organic SEO website. And so that's kind of like we like to lead. And so we like to really market on all three of those channels when it comes to search, if you will. That like has nothing to do with like a social media strategy or YouTube strategy. So, so I'm curious for freelancers, since so much of our audience is, is the freelance community, as far as Google My Business, what happens when you work from home and you really don't want to have your home address listed as a public address for your business? How does that work with Google My Business? You can actually remove the address. Um, you Can don't you? Have, yeah, you don't have to have a, a physical hard address. Um, you may have to have it when you initially sign up. They may have just changed that. Um, but you can actually just have like a, like a localized location. Google My Business has changed more in the last five months than three years prior due to COVID-19 and so many people going online and um, you know, they've had to get pretty creative pretty fast, but uh, yeah, you actually don't have to have uh, an address. It can be more of a um, you know, call to action, like click here for our right. offer, make an appointment online, um, stuff like that. I find that a lot of the small business community does not understand the tie-in between reviews and reputation management and their online reputation and how it impacts their search engine results and everything else they're doing online. Talk to us about reputation and reviews. Yeah. Um, well, I think everybody has bought something on Amazon at this point in time or has taken a trip at this point in time. Um, and, and so I, I like to use those two analogies like reviews are, uh, very important when it comes to purchasing a product or, or you know, just really understanding the reputation of the business. And so um, everybody looks at reviews and in, in the, the clientele that we service where they're touching the body, they're touching the face, like reputation is, is everything. And so you, you really have to have a reputation strategy. And a lot of those, uh, a lot of the reputation is going to come down to Google My Business or Facebook or Yelp and having reviews on those portals. but uh, you know, there's also other ways, right? Like uh, YouTube testimonials, you can have raw testimonials. I mean, you can have an overall, like, uh, like your better business bureau rankings actually can, can make an impact as well. But um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to reviews, I mean, if you're going to go stay at a hotel or, or an Airbnb or, or a, I mean, you look at the reviews and so you want to see what the consumer experience is. Um, even if somebody is actually going to give you a referral, they're still going to conduct a search to see what the overall reputation status is. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes across so many, not just Amazon, not just a, a Google view, but individual sites, even like we were just talking about Upwork oh, and that, that freelance site. And, and, you know, just to be, just to be very transparent, that's how you and I met. You hired my company on Upwork. 
And by all means, and it's funny, we've watched our job success score bounce back and forth between 100% to, you know, 94% and back up. And we've tracked it. It's amazing how much two percentage points, one way or the other, can have a huge difference in the traffic and the amount that you're being found, even in these systems algorithms, not even counting Google, but even in a closed system like that. It, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they want you to have the best experience, right? What's What's cool about an Upwork environment is, and even like Airbnb or VRBO, like there's a two-way review. The consumer gets to review, and the hiree or the hirer gets gets to review. And so it's almost like, hey, you better you better both like service each other the the way appropriately, so you know you can get indexed on those algorithms uh, in a way that makes sense. And I'm curious what, what your experience has been on the freelance platforms. Are you on there using them as a lead gen tool or just on their hiring? Oh, we just hire on there. Yeah, we never use them as a lead gen tool. Um, a lot of folks do. Obviously, we're, we're, we're more uh, focused on our niche, which is the medical right. space. Um, we've never looked at it as a lead gen uh, area, but who knows? Maybe maybe we should. I, I, I don't know. Uh, we mainly go to shows. We deal with influencers um we have partnerships uh with like medical spa um uh the, the med spa association stuff like that and so we do a lot of outbound stuff and obviously we run our own ads and have our inbound team too but um no like we've we've hired on there um and i would say like i've had a much better experience paying more uh, a lot of folks will come to these sites and they're like well i gotta get the best deal i mean it's true you get what you pay for and so i i like to go to kind of the higher end of the market, um, it, you know, and, and I'm, I'm fine with paying a little bit more to get a better service and a more qualified professional. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, let's talk for a couple of minutes about social media and your thoughts on, you know, when we're talking about small business and when we're talking about freelancers, even the, the med spa space, the, the niche that, that you play a lot in, now, what, what do you talk to your clients about as far as a strategy for social media? And do you feel that they need to be everywhere or do you feel they need to be in just certain places? Yeah, no, uh, great question. Um, it's this space particularly currently today, and that could change, right? But they live on Instagram. Um, yeah. And what's funny is their reputation is on Instagram as well because they like to post before and afters. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you could do with, with Instagram. But what I've seen people do from a consumer perspective is even if it's a referral, they'll conduct a search and then they want to go to their Instagram to see their work. Um, and so it's easy to flip up Instagram and, and go to those profiles. I mean, obviously you gotta be on Facebook, you know, you, you gotta be on, you gotta be on all the social platforms and there's tools out there to where you can post and have it broadcast on all the platforms. Right. And so I encourage that. Um, but the one that I see and hear and talk about most from a ROI perspective is, is Instagram itself. Um, I, I have a client that has, you know, over a hundred thousand reviews and she tells me that most of her referrals and income comes from her organic uh, asset of followers that she's built on Instagram. Um, and so when we talk to our clients, it's like, well, 
if you have followers on these social platforms, they're essentially fans and they're watching you as a, call it an online, uh, I don't know, what's a sitcom, if you will, right? They want, they want to know like right. you're professional and then they want to see like, hey, there's the kids or there's you like hanging out, being normal and not a doctor or whatever. <laughs> um, and then, and so it, it creates a story of who you are and they want to associate themselves with it online, if you will. And it's important if your fans talk about you, right? So we say the best way to create a really organic following uh, search, like organic, I'm talking not paid, not, you know, real organic is during the checkout process, we consult them and say, Hey, you need to create a strategy to have your fans talk about you. And the best time to do it is during the checkout process. I go and I get Botox filler, leave and uh, get them to sign a social media waiver that say, Hey, you want to be on our, our social and the companies that have done the best job, um, their, their clients uh, and, and customers and fans want to be on their social media feed because they feel cool. Um, and then they'll share it on their story and that, that, the, that followers, followers will see it. And in turn, you're going to get followers, which is going to result to sales. So really, uh, a small business, a freelancer, and I think of it like reality TV. Uh, well, you you know, it's just like your, your, your own reality TV show going on here. So can somebody, can a business get away with not having to spend ad dollars on Facebook and Instagram? Can they get away with it just being totally organic or does one need to feed the other? I think to a certain point, um, I mean, I work with businesses that, uh, that we do not run ads for, um, but they're already pretty well established. Like they have a robust following. They have, um, I actually have a client right now, uh, where they had a, a very low quality website. And I would say like 90% of their business was Instagram, uh, millennial type, uh, searchers and stuff like that. And I, in further talking, they're like, well, we're doing great. Like Instagram is just crushes it for us. And they have like 65,000 followers and, and they got a pretty loyal fan base. Um, and they got a ton of reviews on Google as well. Like they've done a good job with that. And so I feel like they've crushed it when it comes to that. But if you go to their site, slow, sluggish, outdated, like they just haven't spent the time. Um, and they haven't run any ads. And I said, I know, like, let's look at your analytics and uh, I can just, tell you, you know, before I even look at the analytics, I know what's happening is your people are coming to your site and they're leaving. I, I would assume your bounce rate's quite high. And uh, my theory was correct in looking at the data. And it was just because it was just a, a, a low quality website. And so we're, it's actually about ready to go live, but um, you know, there, there's, there's, what if Instagram goes down tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, you, you're, 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 you go to you're zero, dead. You're, you're dead, right? So you can't, you're dead. Yeah, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. It's almost like having one single source of income. Like people think Lloyd is like the safe route, you know? And in my opinion, I'm like, that's scary because you have one single source of income, you know? So I like to have my, my eggs spread across, like, I don't know, real estate, some stocks. I got some passive income. I got a couple of businesses. Um, the wife has her business. I mean, there's like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine sources. But so if one goes down, there's, there's another flow, right? Um, and I look at marketing that same way. So you got to have kind of hit every avenue, if you will. Um, and then I said, well, why don't you guys look at turning on some ads? And they're like, no, it's never really worked. We're, we're good. Anyway, I said, well, 
ticket, right? It's in their average ticket. And I said, what if we were able to double that ticket volume? Like not, well, let me take that back. Not the volume, the checkout size. Okay. So right. like if your if ticket's a hundred bucks, well, let's get one checkout at 200 bucks just to keep numbers easy. And they obviously loved it. And I said, you know, that the more sophisticated buyer in your space does their research pretty thoroughly. And with, uh, with what's going on right now, we like, there's a huge California migration to Utah right now. Um, and these folks like may not have an injector or may not know where to go. And so they're not just going to Instagram. Um, they're going to Google and they're con- Right. Right. And you better be running <laughs> or you're missing out. Um, and so, yeah, any, anyway, I, I think you gotta be across the board to kind of hit every avenue to, to increase the best rewards possible. And so important that you cannot skimp on the website. Right. All, it all starts with the website. Everything else extends from it because you're so right. If Mark Zuckerberg decides tomorrow that he's going to change the algorithm that Facebook is using, you could literally disappear from your audience tomorrow. Same with Instagram, same with any of them. You don't own those platforms. You don't own the traffic on them. You own your website. You want those people's email addresses. And that's a great segue. Let's talk about email because social media is fantastic and we love it, but we need email addresses. Yeah. I mean, have you got to have a list, you know, you have to have a list of emails um, and you got to build that up over time. And this kind of comes back to even like the automation standpoint is like, you got to have data. I've always said data is key and data is king. And so if you are conducting services and you're not, not collecting data, what I mean by that is first name, last name, phone number, email, um, you're losing out in a big way. Like true example during COVID, a lot of our customers were shut down. They couldn't, they were non-essential and how, okay, what are some strategies that we could basically create some revenue channels? Aha. I do have a database. Okay. Let's email them. Let's pre-sell services at a discount that they can render later. We're going to take a hit on margin, right? But like cash flow is like super important right now. I have a client. We sent out an email, six figures in sales, one email. Wow. During the pandemic. During the pandemic. Yep. And that wasn't like some brilliant email, right? It was like a nice email on MailChimp, had some specials, had some offers and had a checkout. They could collect money. And you know, it was funny, like her fans wanted her to be in business because they wanted to go to her when she was opened. So they want to help. Right. Right. Um, Now, if she didn't have that list, she didn't have those emails. No money, you know? And so, yeah. And and another thing is like, you got to have like top of mind. People go to barbecues, people like go do things. And if if they're all guilty of it, we all look at our emails and social media, even when we're doing something social. Um, If you send out the emails, like they want to share their experience. And so it's just another way of being top of mind. I don't think the email has to be anything uh, lengthily, I think a lot of folks get held up and like, well, I don't know what to put on the email and does the content make sense? And it's like, honestly, most of them aren't going to read it. <laughs> um, true. Very true. true. We want them to, right? And that's why we send them out. But a lot of it is really top of mind. So let's, since we're, since we're coming down to the end of our time and you, you're talking about what you were able to do with, with one of your clients, let's talk about your new online course to scale your medical spa to a multi-million dollar business. 
Um, this yeah. is part of the launch of your new online training site, Growth 99 University, um, which uh, I'm familiar with because my company helped put the uh, the site together to house the uh, to house that course, and I've been through it and just was so impressed with it. One of the things from the course that I, I would love to just talk about real briefly is your um, multi-million dollar morning routine and and the routine part of what you preach and teach to your customers because your course goes into way more than just marketing. It's a lifestyle and how to take a business from, you know, ground zero or, or even businesses that are established to multi-millions of dollars. And it's a very interesting course that, 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 it, that you go through. But talk about that, that routine, the morning routine. Yeah. Like if you look at, uh, well, if you look, I, I was going to say history, but if, if you've read any entrepreneurial books or very successful individuals that have, that have done extraordinary things in this world, uh, if you look at Jeff Bezos, if you look at Mark Zuckerberg, you know, if you look at the, the, the guys that created Google, if you look at Elon Musk, uh, you know, Warren Buffett, they have routines and they're dedicated to their routines. And I've been studying the wealthy and people of, of, that have amassed success uh, for years and years. And I'm, a, I'm an avid reader and they all have this like the same thing in, in common is they all have their routines. And some very similarities that they have is uh, goal setting, uh, you know, staying out of your email, like don't wake up in a frantic and get into your email, uh, work out, uh, do some meditation, do like a gratitude walk, like be thankful because um, a lot of folks like think that when you're an entrepreneur, you have all these amazing things. Or if you're a freelancer, you got like all this time, um, like that's the theory in their head, you know, it's like. Oh, you have like fancy cars and a nice house and a beautiful family, like whatever, whatever their, their mind is, you know? And the truth is it's actually a lonely place. Like, Oh my God. Could we have a conversation about that? It's a very, very yeah. lonely place. Yeah. It's a lonely place. There's potential of depression. I mean, there's anxiety. There's a lot of pressure. Um, it's um, you're, you're, you don't fit in with the crowd. You're doing odd things, you know? And so like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenging world that you have to keep a very powerful mind. Um, and so something that's just, just really helped me is having that morning routine from, I get up at the same time. I get up extremely early, always try to beat the sun up, uh, get a nice workout. in. I think it just helps me mentally. I want to stay in physical shape because I feel like if you're not in good physical shape, then how can you perform at the highest level? You know, you got to, you got a continuous. I mean, I, I learn more now than I did 10 years ago. Like I've learned way more post-college than, than during college. That's for sure. You know, and a lot of people think that's when education stops is, is then, but if you can keep a routine, it's, it's going to position you into having a very impactful, powerful day uh, versus just kind of going about the next day, you know, um, I think reflection is important too. That's something that I've started to implement. Like when I, after, uh, my workout, I'll do a gratitude walk, just try, try to absorb and being thankful for just, sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's little things. It's like my flip flops on my feet, literally. Um, and then I try to reflect on the day prior, like what successes did I have? And I kind of go through like business, you know, wife, kids, stuff like that. Cause I think you get lost. You're just like, you did life just goes, you know, 
So I think that's just it, super important. And I, I, we, we are so talking the same language with that. And, and I agree. I mean, I didn't go to college, so I, I didn't learn anything in college because I never even went. And, I, you know, I've definitely been the type of person that I've learned by doing over the years. You learn by your mistakes. But definitely without question, if you don't take some time for yourself and, you know, I, I walk five miles every day that it's not raining. Even some days when it's raining, I'm out there walking somewhere. But that's my time. And it's, it's yes, part of it's for health and to, you know, help me avoid looking the 50 years that I actually am. Yeah, by all means. But, you know, a, a lot of it is just to have my head in the right space to just it's the, it's the time that I get to reset and just kind of you're right. Think about what happened yesterday. Think about what's going to happen today and tomorrow. And it's all about you know, those goals and, and what you need to get done. But if you don't take that time for yourself and reset, it, it, you can get lost because it is a lonely life. It very much is. There's very few people that understand what it is that you and I go through in the course of a day. It's, it's why I enjoy talking to you because, you know, you get it. I get it. Um, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It is. It is. And there's a lot of pressure. So yeah, I, I, I agree. Like a morning routine is crucial when it comes to, to operating at the highest level. Yes, absolutely. Well, Cameron, we have, I, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours <laughs> without question on, on many, many, many different subjects, but tell everybody where they can find your medical <laughs> spa to a multi-million dollar business course and uh, uh, where your business is. Yeah. So, uh, obviously go to our website, right? Uh, growth99.com, uh, G R O W T H 99.com. Um, we also are, our, our podcast is going live. So make sure to check that out. That's medical millionaire, um, which is uh, super cool. We'll talk about insights on how to grow a multi-million dollar business when it comes to running a medical spa. Um, you can obviously go to growth May nine university, but the best place would be just the website because you're going to find everything from there. You can find our social media from there um, and all the avenues uh, on our website. That's awesome. And we're going to put in all the links for all the descriptions, whether you're watching this or whether you're linked to it, we'll have all of the links for Cameron's uh, various uh, places and podcasts and websites all in the description. So Cameron, again, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, Kim. Appreciate your time. We'll see you guys. Absolutely. When you're ready to kickstart your freelance career and grow your small business, visit jointhefreelanceeconomy.com for more information and online training to help you be more successful. Thanks for spending time with us on the Freelance Economy Podcast.